welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Club Cool Podcast. I am your host, Barrett Dudley, coming to you live from the Washed Media Studios, joined on the other side of the table by Mr. Phil Battaglia. What's up, Phil? What's up? The one and only Chill Phil. And we have a special guest today as well. He's joining us from sunny Los Angeles, California, although I don't know if it's actually very sunny there right now. It might just be <laughs> filled with smoke and haze and um, wildfires. Uh, it's Pat Allen, the uh, the head of and creator of a brand called Uniform. Pat, am I saying the brand right? I know that there's like there's there's an LA on the end of that sometimes as well. Yeah, that's correct. There's there's a slash in the middle, but okay. Uniform or Uniform LA is generally how we're well, how we're referred to. Welcome, Pat. Welcome to the podcast. How's how's everything going? It's great. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you you guys having me. Yeah, we are. We're glad to have you. We um, we, we need more guests on the podcast, and uh, I guess I should I should just give a special special shout out and thanks to kind of our our mutual friend Neil, who kind of encourages both to to link up and 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 do this do this type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, Pat, you have a brand uniform, like we just mentioned. You're based out of L.A. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about like the the origins of your brand and and what you're all about and and what you're doing out there yeah so you know i never the intent was never to really start a brand it it came about as something that i was looking for and just couldn't find um at the time i was living in denver looking to dress better in a way that i felt like more confident and I kind of went to the regular outlets looking for that, you know, the mall and some small boutiques that they had there and just couldn't really find what I was looking for. And, you know, that's sort of where the idea came from. And then it was, it was many, many years until, until I actually started the brand. So Pat, I know you were in Denver. Are you, are you from Colorado originally? No, I'm from uh, Ohio. Ohio. Okay. So Ohio and then to CU Boulder and then to Denver. And then out to LA. Yeah, I took the uh, took the long route. <laughs> yeah, is uh, do you have like a do you have a favorite out of those three? Uh, Boulder, Boulder definitely holds a, a special place in my heart. Yeah, but but for the, this stage of my life, I absolutely love Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, what's been like 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 as you've gone from the Midwest to you know kind of a a mountain town of sorts, and now out to you know, like a, like a style playground, like LA, like has, has, has that been weird to kind of see all of those different, you know, the different versions of, of style that, that, that people have in those places? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's more like you looking back, you see it, you know, when I go home, it's, you know, just a whole different animal. So like when I, I land in Columbus airport, it, it sometimes it feels like you teleport, yeah. You know, go, going from there to here and you get off the jetway in, in L.A. and it just feels like a completely different animal. Or you go back. I go back to, you know, Denver, Boulder and everyone's in Patagonia. And yeah. I mean, that's something that's that's always interests me about fashion anyway. It's just how it how it's colloquially expressed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I've, I've I've spent a lot more, you know, between like our uh, the U.S. is kind of two hubs of where, where we think of where like fashion kind of lives the most. It's New York and L.A. And I've spent far more time in New York. And so we've we've done kind of like comparisons on the podcast before about like New York style versus Austin style and just about how it's it's fun to be in a place where like kind of like 
getting decked out and, you know, as they say, where you can really start dressing. It's, ni- it's nice <laughs> yeah. to be in places like that. And in Austin, we're so casual. So it's, it, it's you know, we, we talk about some of like the trends and looks that, um, you know, that, that, that you see in, in like street style or on the runway. And it's just like you would never have a chance to wear that stuff here. Um, but I, I imagine that, that in L.A., like you could if you wanted to. Yeah, I, I I don't personally as much, but absolutely. You know, if you walked in to in Denver or Boulder, I mean, it's a very accepting place, so no one would say anything. But you would definitely it would it would look like cosplay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, if you're throwing a fit out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wait, so you you mentioned flying into Columbus? Are you from Columbus? I grew up in Columbus. Um, so what? My, why, my fam- why why Boulder over Ohio State? I, I think I just just wanted to uh, get away. You know, actually, I didn't tell my dad this till years later, but I was a good student in high school, and I, I had a number of roles, you know, in, like, different things. And uh, Ohio State actually offered me a scholarship to go there, but <laughs> I I just kind of wanted to get away. Yeah. And a, but, a buddy and I, it was never meant to be Colorado, but a buddy and mine were really into snowboarding, and we wanted an excuse to go snowboarding, so we're like, yo, we'll go on a college visit, this will be perfect. And the minute we stepped off the bus in Boulder, we're like, okay, we're going here. <laughs> <laughs> having, having never been to any class or anything. So, you know, it was just like a yearning to, to get away. And I love the Midwest. I, I think the Midwest has like some of the most amazing people. And I'm so thankful for the way that I was raised in the Midwest. You know, every place is different. Uh, I try not to look at things as like better or worse, just, you know, different and appreciate the differences. And for me, I just, you know, at that time, the things I were into, I was into was more representative in in the Rocky Mountain region. And that's, you know, sort of what drew drew me out of there and just wanting to change. And, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I did that. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I I visited a buddy that went to to see Boulder a couple of times and they, they were that was by far the most fun campus to visit a friend at. I never went. I mean, it was absolutely, it was abs- absolutely insane. Yeah. Like I, every time I went there, I was like, yeah, I probably should have gone here. I've never <laughs> heard a bad thing. Never. Like, I mean, I loved my experience at, at, at university of Texas, but it's just, it's just different. And, um, I don't know. The, stuff got wild out there, man. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a good choice. Uh, Pat, I, I had one of my best friends, one of my, you know, I, I've known him since we were, we were little and we've kind of, we went to middle school and high school and then college together, like same fraternity. We had a plan to, as soon as we graduated from the University of Texas, we were going to do like a gap year then and go be ski bums. And then I didn't graduate on time. So we did not get to do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I never lived that lifestyle, but that, that sounds like an excellent plan. Phil, yeah. Phil, are you a Texas guy too? UT? No, I went to Texas State, the little stepchild of this Central Texas region. Texas State was okay. formerly Southwest Texas, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place, uh, San Marcos. Um, but you know, we lacked in. Well, you had so you, 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 yeah, but you had you had you did have one thing in common with Boulder, and that is a plethora of gorgeous women. Yeah, a lot yeah. of girls. Yeah. A lot so. of girls, and it was a beautiful campus. We had a river that goes right through the campus that everybody would chill. Oh, nice! On. It was fun. Yeah. So low, low tubing. Yes, a lot of tubing. <laughs> a lot of tubing. A lot of tubing. Absolutely. Uh, 
Pat, have you always been from 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 Ohio in high school, like through college? Like, were you have you kind of always had the bug, the style bug? Like, is 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 started having your own clothing line? Like, when did when did when did that idea kind of pop into your head? Like, man, this is something that I kind of want to check out. Uh, that kind of originated to answer your question. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've always been interested in fashion, but in sort of like a roundabout way. Um, I have an older brother who, you know, he's two years older than me. And, and growing up, I just kind of took cues from him. And, you know, really looking up to him, he would go to the mall with my mom and they would go shopping and he'd bring back all these clothes. They're like, I never really heard of. At the, I'd never heard of at that time. And I mean, these were looking back, these are terrible clothes. You know, the, the trends <laughs> of the time are did not age well. And, you know, I would go through them and it was just like his admiration for these pieces and, you know, these things that he knew about, it was almost like a secret culture. Yeah. You know, the way, the way it is now with so many indie brands, right. You know, it, it's almost like a, it's like a club, you know, to borrow from the name. Sure. Um, and you know, that, that sort of sparked my interest and, and, and seeing his interest in it sort of propelled me to be interested in it. And then I was always sort of, sort of interested in the manifestation of how people present themselves. You know, you could dress anywhere you want. Phil's owning it in that hat. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, but, but like, it, it just fascinates me that, you know, fashion sort of like an outward expression of an inner feeling. And in that regard, it's always been, been interesting to me. This is super embarrassing, but I was voted best dressed in um, in high school. Nice. That's and I. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. That doesn't surprise me, Pat. I was voted best dressed in my high school as well. So yeah, wow, look at these y- guys. Yours is probably deserved. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It was not at all. I I, I wore um, I, I wore mostly Abercrombie and Fitch, and then when I was a senior in high school, I really I blew people's minds by wearing diesel jeans. Shoot, yeah. <laughs> young king. <laughs> were you a uh, were you a, a, a structure guy? I feel like structure. Oh, I, <laughs> I think that's actually based in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio. I think I, that's one of Les Wexner's things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was it. That's what eventually became Express Men's for men. Yeah, <laughs> and now it is just like comp- totally wildly different than than structure. Actually, was more like an Abercrombie or Eddie Bauer. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it was very. You know, kind of had that like that kind of Midwestern charm to it, like very low key, very casual, but kind of beat up as at the same time. Yeah, that was that was interesting when they met. No, I was a uh, man. We're really going into it now. You guys destroy this tape right after I say <laughs> it. Right. I was into I was into Abercrombie and and Banana Republic. Yeah, I think everybody was. Yeah, that was before like online was big and. You whatever was right in front of you at the mall. I mean, that's really your choices, right? I mean, unless you're getting some magazines thrown your way from J. Crew and the like. Yeah, but, you know, we we would tear up some Abercrombie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And Gap. Do they have an Abercrombie in Beaumont, or yes. did you have to drive to Houston? No. <laughs> now, now that being said, when we would make the journey to the Galleria in Houston, I would hit up Guess. Oh, okay. You know, okay. come out of there dripping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that then you really started dressing. That's in, when I was really dressing. In the guests. <laughs> I, I, I feel like the gallery, is the gallery in a lot of hip hop songs? It has to be. Maybe? It has. It's such a spot. Yeah. Definitely in, in some Houston hip hop. They definitely yeah. have mentioned the gallery a, a dozen times. 
Yeah. I love the Galleria. So, Pat, Pat, how long have you been in L.A. now? Um, so I've been here full time about six years. Okay. Um, but originally I, I was there was there was a time in all of this where I didn't actually have a home, but I had a uh, flight pass, like what's called a companion pass. Okay. Um, which essentially allows you to treat the airlines like a bus system <laughs> and you just get on and off as you please. Yeah. Um, depending on flight loads. So for two or three years, I was traveling out here, sleeping on a blow-up mattress in my friend's living room while I started pursuing this. And I would take the bus downtown to meet up with our original pattern maker and, and uh, sample maker. And so that was two or three years beginning in like 2013. So it, I, I guess it's been seven years and six years full-time. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned the, the, those kind of like that, the early pattern maker, um, well, just as a as a general kind of question about uniform, like like, are, do you kind of did it start with you making something that you wanted? Like like, who are you making clothes for? What's kind of the the overall goal of the brand right now? Yeah, right now it's different from what it was then. Originally, yeah. it it was we're gonna make the perfect t shirt because that's what I was. You know, that's that's the origins of the brand was right. in in Denver when I was you know DJing full time. I was looking for just the perfect t-shirt that I could wear in the club that I could just wear out about town. And it did, it wasn't a billboard. It didn't announce you. There wasn't a bunch of unnecessary details. It just fit great. The material was on point and I could just reach for it every day. You know, that's the nice thing about basics. If you know, you, you wear a black tee every day, you can pretty much get away with that versus wearing this, any other tee yeah, with print totally. or anything. They're, they're just like, I'm pretty sure this guy's homeless. Is that, <laughs> is that kind of like the, the name uniform? Is that kind of what that speaks to is being able to wear this stuff pretty much every day? Yeah. That's the sort of, that's the sort of central idea behind the, the brand. You know, when I was looking to dress better and looking for clothes, you know, when we talk about the mall and, and the Galleria, shout out the Galleria. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so much of it was just like, to me, you know, Phil brings up a great point. You go to the mall cause that's all we have. That's all, you know, but it sort of becomes like this ridiculous cosplay where, you know, I'm 17, 18 years old dressing like a dad in safari on my banana Republic, <laughs> you know, or you go to structure. <laughs> that's your fancy date night stuff yeah, for anyone yeah. who is old enough to remember. <laughs> Um, but you know, it just, it, it didn't, none of those things really resonated with me and they certainly didn't work well together. You know, if you had the big Abercrombie carpenter jeans back in the day, it didn't go well with like a, you know, express men's, you know, shiny button up. And it was just sort of like a hodgepodge. And that's where uniform comes from is sort of like a system of dress that you can rely on daily and that you can build a wardrobe foundation. So the goal of the brand is sort of, you know, to provide, you know, our guy with all the basics he needs, you know, the T sweatshirts, you know, and then if you want to like flex and some rude track pants or, you know, or whatever, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, you bring up rude and, and we, we watch guys like Ruigi at rude or like Mike Amiri or Jerry Lorenzo, like, and these dudes, they, they really like part of the brand, part of, part of them selling is like their success as well. You know, they really seem to kind of like flaunt all of this. So is, is, is that, is that the end goal for you? Are you, are you just trying to get the Maserati truck? <laughs> no, I don't, you know, the time when I talked about earlier, not having, you know, a, a, like a spot, I, I, I think I'm grateful for every day and I'm not really 
I'm not really a status guy and I'm not really driven by money. Yeah. You know, I, I love what I'm doing and I find so much fulfillment in, in what I'm doing right now and, and like making things. It, it, it just gives me purpose. So, you know, my goal, they're so modest. I would like my own washer and dryer <laughs> and central air and heat. And I would like to be able to buy a smoothie whenever I walk by and feel the urge. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the simple things. Now, are we talking? Yeah. Are we talking Erewhon? Oh wow! Er- <laughs> what is Erewhon? Need- uh, Pat, tell Phil what Erewhon is. I don't know how to describe is that it. A smoothie it, joint? It's like I'm. I, I I've never been, but I'm sure like a juice there costs seventeen dollars. <laughs> yeah, it does. So Erewhon is sort of Erewhon based. Just to boil it down, Erewhon makes Whole Foods look broke. You what? would so- you'd be all about it, Phil. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> On last week's podcast, Phil told us that he hadn't had McDonald's in 10 years. So <laughs> give this guy something with some some reishi mushrooms in it. And, and I'll eat it. And he's, he'll, he'll pay you whatever you want. <laughs> I, I, I'm with Phil. I haven't, did you guys try the Travis Scott? We did, yeah. Right? Dude, yeah. surprisingly tasty. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't feel like total death afterwards. Now, yeah, no. if we would have each had our own, each had our own meal, yeah. the whole deal. You think we got away with it because we just like we split yes. it snack size? Yes. <laughs> if you were to consume that whole thing, you would have had some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lumen Skin. Look, I know in these unprecedented times, it can be very, very easy to ignore your skin, ignore your face. You know, you just roll out of bed, you get on your Zoom calls, there's 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 not as much to go do. You're being lazy about it, but Here is the cold, hard truth, guys. Your skin has needs, and if you want it to look as good as possible for as long as possible, you need to address them now. Totally get it. You might not know where to start, but there is a company that's taken all the guesswork out of it for you. That's right. It's Lumen. Lumen is on a mission to help give men the amazing skin they deserve through high-quality, expert-created products delivered right to your door. All of their products are formulated specifically for men's skin and made to target skin issues with maximum efficacy using top-notch ingredients like charcoal, green tea extract, and vitamin C. It's not just about looking good, it's about feeling good. You need good skin health, especially as you get older, to prevent long-term damage. For me, Lumen Skin, I use the moisturizing balm at night and in the morning. It's a multi-purpose product. It makes it feel really, my skin feel really smooth and balmy. It gives me that, that healthy glow. Plus, they've got a great exfoliating product. You've heard me talk about how much I just can't get enough exfoliation. That's that's what I am all about. I just love the 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 roughness. It makes me feel very clean. All of the products are amazing. They make my my skin feel great. They'll make yours feel great as well. Even if you have no idea where to begin, Lumen makes it so easy to find the right skin management system for you. There are so many different options on Lumen Skin. So many different sets. There's the age management set. That's the one I should probably get. You got your modern bathroom set. Or even just a classic maintenance set. You can check that one out. Whatever you want. They got it all. Choose from different skin concerns to address or just pick up that simple starter pack for free. You deserve to look and feel your best. Here's where you go to start. Lumenskin.com slash clubcool to get a one-month free trial of everything you need to start your skincare journey at home. That's Lumenskin.com slash clubcool to get your first month free. One more time, Lumen, L-U-M-I-N, skin.com slash club cool. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Pat, do do we 
do do you hate the term elevated basics yet? Or is that I, a good? Or is that still a good description for 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 what you're doing? Yeah, the term elevated basics, I, I think, is is a solid term. Um, I think it's been watered down and overused, and unfortunately, I think that that kind of ruins the effectiveness. When I first had this idea, unfortunately, you know, I think that was just kind of coming into being and was more of an avenue. You know, I think at that time APC was doing it and not a ton of other brands, you know, maybe they were just getting into that space. But unfortunately at that time, I didn't really have any of the know-how or the capital to really move to establish ourselves yeah. in that. But I think from, from the beginning of this, I think that's the avenue we were going in. And I think the space has become much more crowded with, with, with brands try, making a move on that. Yeah. I mean, with, space. with, uh, with the rise of just like athleisure and, and casual gear in general, and the fact that like, you know, you can wear a t-shirt out to a nice dinner at this point, it definitely just be, became saturated. And, and I, I, I don't really mean to make fun of the term either. And that like this whole, just with brands and with fashion and style, there, there's always like, people always kind of like rush to, to, they see somebody have success with something and they, yeah. they rush into, to fill it as well. And we always like, you know, we even make fun of ourselves at Howler occasionally about like how the copy in emails about like our friends over at, you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. Like just like that, the way you write your, your marketing emails about how you're all like buddy, buddy with whoever you're, you know, you're working with, like that type of thing. Like it just, everything gets, gets kind of over, overused and overplayed. It seems like, like it, it works for one person and then yeah, it just like, you know athleisure we beat the dead horse um but yeah you you mentioned apc is that kind of like one of the brands that that you were super into or, or kind of pulling inspiration from originally a apc's the first brand that sort of so denim got me in sort of this the space that we're in like you know the boutique designer space yeah um you know like i said i was looking to dress better i'd go to the mall and i try on everything i try on the diesel jeans and they were cool. I just thought they were a little overdone. And that's, you know, how I came to kind of online forums. And at the time they were preaching the gospel of the APC new standard size down four or five, I think. <laughs> so APC was the APC was the first sort of brand that introduced me into that. And I was wearing my jeans restrictingly tight. <laughs> like like wear wear for three days before yeah, you Pat, you just gotta you just gotta break them in and uh, <laughs> sleep in them for a week. And then also put them on and run into the ocean with them. And then don't take them off until they're completely dry. Sick, sick fades. That's how that's you all. that's that's how you get those those mad honeycombs. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so so uh you mentioned Style Forum and like we we both have participated there for, for several years. It's kinda like that's Styleform is where I found out about your brand. It's where I've found out about brands like John Elliott and even 18 East really through Styleform. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good community. It, it does obviously have like, it, it's kind of quirks and, and pitfalls as well. Um, you, you mentioned like, like being on there with the, the whole raw denim craze. Um, the first time, like the first year or two that I was involved with Styleform, I remember paying very close attention to the the what are you wearing today thread that was like that was like the main the first thread that i started paying attention to 
and I think this was like 2012 and 2013. And there were really only, I would say, two or three ways to dress properly if you wanted anybody to give you any respect. <laughs> <laughs> and what were they? So one of these, one of those ways was like very much like the the, the raw denim with with maybe like some APC or some engineered garments or some double RL or like this very like Daddington kind of uh, urban woodsman thing. Yeah, and the then, workwear craze. Yeah, and then there was, and then you could be like a goth urban ninja. Nice. Um, and then, or then you could like, uh, or you could have like a, a temp, do you remember Temple of Johns? The Temple of Johns leather jackets? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> With like Margella Gats and Robert Geller jeans. <laughs> God. But so I, I remember posting a fit pic on there, and it was, I've looked back at this particular fit pic. I'll post it. I'll post oh, it. Oh, please. I'd love to it's see it. It's not good. But I got, I got, I got big shit on. <laughs> And I was so mad. Lambasted. I was so mad and like upset. And I was like, oh, these motherfuckers, like they, they only, you can only, you know, wear four brands or, or they don't think you're shit. And so it's actually, that's actually like how I stumbled into the John Elliott thread because people were really nice in that thread. <laughs> Everybody was like very encouraging and like, and helpful. And, and so, I, and I've really never gone back to the, the, what are you wearing today thread? Mm. But um, I, just to, <laughs> you have you have a, a, a buzzy popular thread there as well. Is that kind of like is it nice to have that that community kind of fiending for your product and and bugging you with questions all the time? Or is it you yeah know, like it's, it's I'm sure that it it can get annoying, but it's it's also got to feel good to have people like really kind of like th- you know they're talking about your the stuff that you're making. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I def, uh, I think it's great. The, you know, the community that's developed there and I'm, you know, super appreciative. I think anytime people are interested in what you're doing and are supportive and fans of of what you're doing and the direction you're going, it, it, it's a win. Um, I think when you're transparent about what you're doing, it opens up a lot of feedback that, you know, I try to I try to view any criticism or or any you know whatever as 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 constructive as possible, and just see it as like these are people who are really excited about what we're doing, and they wouldn't say something if they weren't interested. So, to your question, I definitely think it's it's been it's it's been like a blessing because I remember early on, you know, we would make products and then we'd be like, hey, here's a product for sale. And, no one wanted it. No one cared, you know, and this was, this was early on. Um, so now to have it and put stuff out, you know, sizes sell out pretty quick and yeah. things like that is, is a huge blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just when, when I think about the brands that I like pay attention to and, and, and I'm really invested in, they, they generally have that in common that there is some type of community around them that like, is it loves talking about the brand and loves sharing the items that they get. And so, you know, I mentioned some of the ones that, that are popular there on style forum, but then like, you know, I, we, we talk about, uh, Amy Leon door pretty frequently, which has like a, a, a big Reddit thread and a discord. And then I think about other brands that I, that I, that I like a lot, like something like rag and bone, but there's, there's no, there's no like, it just like exists in a vacuum almost. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that's passionate about right. Rag and Bone, and that's why yeah. that's why 
they make a shit ton of stuff and have a fully fleshed out line and, and show at New York Fashion Week or whatever, but they don't sell out stuff. And it's like you have to generate that type of that, that fervent kind of community to like push your brand to, in, into this cool area where you're you're able to like really like go in any direction you want and people are kind of clamoring for it and, and buying and selling it out. Um, you just, Pat, you guys just released these new artist tees. I'm wearing a long sleeve one today. And uh, I mean, you like, you did a soft launch of those and, and, and blew them out, right? Yeah, we, I think we have, we have some bigger sizes yeah. left, but, but yeah, um, those sold out pretty quick, especially the short sleeve Yeah, and all the smaller sizes. I'd have to check, but I think there's some, some larges and XLs left. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they've been received really well and yeah, we have, we have a lot of plans for, for that silhouette in, in our line. So this, this, uh, this, this artist tee, this new one that, yeah, I think you've got some more colors in this short, in the short sleeve and long sleeve coming out in a day or two, maybe, or when's, when yeah. is, when is official launch for, for the artist tees? <laughs> when does this podcast come out? Breaking news. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot. Wow. I mean, I mean, you know, the, I know with the, the pandemic and COVID, you never, you never know, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, hey, look, anybody is, is able to go on the style forum and see what Pat is saying. <laughs> true, true. And I, th- I think that transparency does build community. You know, I, to your point where you talk about these other brands, I think when, when you let people in, they, they feel, you know, more connection with the brands. And, and the things you said about Rag & Bone are really interesting, too. You know, they have a massive shop at Abbott Kinney. They have a, a massive shop, um, Midtown LA, I think. And I'm always kind of amazed. I'm like, who is buying this stuff? Like, no, I mean, they, 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 they've got shops all over the place. They've got like, I, th- I want to say six doors in Manhattan alone. Like it's, it's crazy. They're, they're, they're clearly very successful. They, they have an international brand, but I, I never, you know, like, just like what we we're speaking to people don't, I don't think people are you know, they're not jazz. They're not waiting on pins and needles for like a, for, for, for a new product to be released by them. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how, you know, there, there are many avenues to success and I don't know really what the difference is between like how they found it and got so big, but, and then what the, what other brands like uniform is, is doing and right. where, where they've got this really <clears throat> devoted diehard following, you know, it's just, it's just two different avenues, I guess. It's also probably like, I, I think they were a, a wholesale darling, you know, they they probably had huge buys from Barney's, Saks, whoever, and then women's wear. And I I don't, you know, I know women who are who are interested in fashion and style too. But I don't know if they get. I feel like becoming like obsessed and really dedicated and like following one brand feels like a. I don't know. I feel like I think that's that's like a sneaker thing almost. It's like it feels like a dude thing more so. Yeah, and there's a lot of like competitiveness with it. I feel like yeah, and that kind of leans so, towards yeah I, I don't totally know how a brand like rag and bone like exactly gets as big as it does without ever having like a very a super passionate following but yeah but it happens yeah um, and, and i i was just gonna say real quick i i don't think that they're necessarily i think they do a lot of things pretty well yeah um but I, I, there's nothing that that really like lights me you know that that i'm really passionate about that they make i i, right. I look at it and i'm like that's cool i have a couple shirts yeah. yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, so, so, so you don't have to give any type of uh, exact date on this artist tee, but I do want to ask you about it because it's like a th- this artist tee kind of follows this this when we talked about this last week, this kind of loosening up of 
silhouettes in a way, right? It's a little shorter. It's a little boxier. And so what's, um, like, like what's your process and kind of deciding what to do next or, or when to bring out a new silhouette or like, how does that kind of development and, and research type of stuff work for you? A lot of it is, is, you know, observing kind of what, what's happening on, on the, in the fashion landscape and just where, where tastes are going. And, you know, one of the nice things about having a community and style forum is you get a lot of feedback, yeah. you know, both publicly there. And then so many, so many will reach out to me privately and, you know, say, this is, I would love if you made this. So a lot of like the direction does come from that. Um, but, but also, you know, like I said, just, kind of seeing what's going on in LA or, you know, even when you're on Instagram, kind of seeing where, where the, where the silhouettes are going, but as a general design philosophy, you know, like we have, I kind of view it as like in two, two silos where one is, is more traditional and, you know, like more tailored. That's what the classic tea is. And then it's like a loosening up like the artist tea is. And so, you know, as we're getting ready to put out sweatpants, we have one of each and then one that falls in the middle. And that's sort of the way that the t-shirts are currently structured. You know, mm -hmm. there's the classic crew neck, which we're, we're sort of working on redoing now in a hundred percent cotton silhouette. It's like the perfect all American tea, sort of kind of like a James Dean style classic tea. That's a little more cropped. Then there's the vintage tea, um, which Phil has on, which, which is, you know, a, a great classic tea. It's a little heavier. And then there's the artist tee, which is, is oversized. So it, it's sort of like allowing people to pick what is best suited for them. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned sweats coming out as well. Uh, is there, any, is there anything else that you, that, that, uh, that you could tell us about that's like 2021 type type stuff? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, this was all slated for 2020 before the pandemic and everything yeah. hit, but we do have, uh, like you mentioned, sweats coming out. We have three styles of sweatpants. Um, one that's that's a uh, more traditional kind of jogger style that's slimmer. There's another one that's a little more of an edgy style uh, with the cinches. So you can cinch the hem, pull it up, you know, wear it down if you want. And then we have an oversized silhouette or a more oversized silhouette that we'll be debuting in a heavyweight uh, fabric along with heavyweight hoodies and sweatshirts. But, you know, the biggest announcement is the the idea behind the brand, like we talked about earlier, is providing a, a man with like his core wardrobe. And with that, denim, something I've always been passionate about. So world premiere here on Club Cool. Oh, shit. Here it is. <laughs> Cue the Phil, music, sound the, Randy. <laughs> sound the air horn, Phil. <laughs> denim, baby. Um, Let's go. <laughs> So we're getting into uh, denim. It's been it's been quite it's been a year long over a year long search to find everything, but we're starting a denim program, um, basically similar to what what Acne was doing with the Ace and the Thin, something like that, or or Subi does with the uh, Van Winkle and and the Chitch. Mm -hmm. So there'll be a, a slim denim that we're um, that we're debuting first, along with a Type Three Trucker jacket which I believe you, I sent to you. Yeah, to you yeah, we, ha we have it. It is, that is dope. It is burly and it's awesome. Yes. And the details are on point. Um, I, I'm, you got, for, for somebody that this is like your, I mean, you don't really, like, you didn't work for a brand prior to this. You're, you're nailing fit and you're nailing details too. Like, like, 
the pockets on on this denim jacket are are like perfectly situated in the perfect depth too and it's just something that i mean you know I, i've got an acne denim jacket that doesn't like that, that doesn't have all those tiny little things yeah. exactly right like that so it's it's um it's it's impressive it, it's awesome i'm looking forward to it I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, a lot of that comes from sort of our, we, we sort of iterate a number of times on samples and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think it's a bit disorienting to the people we first start working with, but once they kind of get an idea for how particular I am about every detail, they, they, I guess, accept it. And, you know, a, a big part of it's finding partners who are willing to be patient and work with us and, who have signed on to the long-term vision. Yeah. But going, going on from the denim thing, we also, you know, the goal with this line is, is to literally provide an entire court wardrobe, like everything you need, you know, from above the sneakers up. So we're also working on a shirting program, um, a plaid shirting program that's going to start with, with a more classic flannel. Okay. And then we're also working on a heavier, more oversized, flannel and we have a, a partner on that um who i met in paris at premier vision who's willing to do that took a while to find but they're willing to do entirely custom everything like we can divide we can find the patterns they'll let us you know design the weights and they're really really down to work with us so you know working on that's been been huge that's awesome yeah that's gonna be cool so you're coming for every corner of the closet then yeah, that's the uh, the <laughs> goal. Is, you know, the the goal is um, a lot of people. You know, in twenty twenty one, we want to get into to knitwear, like sweaters, not mm -hmm. not knitwear, like t shirts and yeah, yeah, and uh, hoodies. But you know, want to get into sweaters. We we already have a partner here in Los Angeles that um, you know we're going to start working with and developing everything with, but. You know, long term, I would love to do, you know, jackets like wool, wool top coats and just do them really well. Yeah. Is there is there any like like do you kind of envision it going like more of the the APC way where everything is, you know, really kind of like I, I don't want to say traditional, but, you know, it's very it, it's very sharp. It's very clean mm -hmm. usually. Or do you kind of like have do you want to do kind of something crazy? Do you do you envision like maybe some some wilder, louder statement pieces eventually is as well. Do you, do you kind of like picture yourself going one way or the other on, on that type of, th that type of thing? You know, I, I more gravitate towards, towards simplistic design. I, yeah. I think the per perfect design for me is, is paring down all the details and distilling it to what really matters, which to me is, you know, fit and the fabric and construction and nailing like all those details. I, I think a lot of our customers would like to see us, get a little wild, more wild with, you know, the colors we're choosing and the dye processes and stuff. And I'm completely open to that, but you know, my, my core sort of design philosophy is in paring it down, you know, which does an interesting downside to that, if you want to call it that, is that it doesn't really convey itself so well over the internet. And as a, as a primarily e-commerce brand, that's been a challenge for us. You know, you see a black shirt and if you're cold traffic, you're like, well, it's a black tee, you know, like so much of like what we do has been commoditized by makers who don't really do it well. And because of that, I, I and I think clothing in general has been like largely commoditized where a white t-shirt's a white t-shirt 
and you know, I can get a three pack of these at Costco for $14. Right. And so that, that's been, you know, and, 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 and the, I, I think the niche that we're in, you know, Barrett, that, that you and Phil belong to, you know, I think we understand a little bit better, but you know, for someone who's cold coming to the site, that's been more of a challenge for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, along with that challenge, like what, Real quick, what what did you end up getting a degree in from Boulder? Uh, <laughs> it's a great question. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, so I went to Boulder originally, and I w- I was studying uh, MCDB. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. You know, growing up in a small town. Um, well, I, I grew up in Columbus, and my my dad has a pharmacy, a family pharmacy in Chillicothe. So, you know, being from a small town, I, I do find it odd that at 18, they're like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you've never done anything and you really don't know what anyone does. You know, maybe you have a loose idea what your parents do. Right. But, but you don't know what their day to day is like. And it's just it's so odd to me the way that things are in the U.S. that essentially at 18, you're supposed to pick something you've never done. And that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So I thought at that time I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. Um, so I started out studying biology, then, you know, became a professional DJ. Um, I was DJing in high school, but it was, it was, it was real elementary type stuff, like taking my, my dad's records and scratching them, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, si- Simon and Garfunkel is cool, but it really just needs some sick cuts. <laughs> it didn't hit. <laughs> didn't hit. No. Did, did it, you know, did you know that I was a DJ, Pat? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> DJ to DJ. Um, yeah. I, now, to to be clear, I, I was never like spinning in the club. I wasn't chopping records up. He was almost. I was not like you know. I, I wasn't on the uh, on the dead mouse track. Mm. But uh, <laughs> I, I did. I started DJ. I started DJing when I was in like seventh grade. And I was literally like picking up a stereo system or, or from my dad's office that had like multiple disc, you know, arrangements, like two different sides and like hosting small birthday parties and just like essentially being the playlist curator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that eventually grew. And then I had like more professional equipment. But so I, I was more like a wedding DJ than like a, you know, like a club DJ. But, um, no, I, but, I, but I, lo- I love that. Yeah, I ha- I have. uh you know, I got a little experience. <laughs> Do you still have your equipment? <laughs> no, no. The uh, the equipment was it was it Discarded. was it was lost. Damn. It was stolen in a what? Yeah, it was. I don't want to get into it. Ooh, <laughs> it was touchy. I, I was I was a dumbass college kid, yeah. and and I left the equipment somewhere where it was definitely going to get stolen, and it got stolen, and Ugh. and that's what happened. <laughs> Um, and that is, was the end of your career. And that was, yeah, pretty much. No, his dad it, wanted his stereo back, Phil. It, yeah. <laughs> it actually, it 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 was not the end of, of my uh, career. That was that that predated um, Day Rage. You'll remember. That's ah, for, Day Rage. That's for the old heads out there. Um, just Huge a, a little a little Easter egg here on the podcast. But no, you could I could go rent the stuff from a local place here. Uh, what, so what, Pat? What was your DJ name? So my my original DJ name when I first started was, was Breka Breka. Cause I thought it, it was super cool and creative, you know, like radio code, like I'm talking with my hands. Yes. Um, but I hated the name. It sounded when it was, was spoken. And years later, 
to answer your question, my official DJ name is really boring. It's DJ Pat Allen, but I didn't give that to myself. <laughs> okay. Um, my what it ended up being was was DJ Boo Bear, and then my tagline was the professional picnic basket snatcher. <laughs> and, nice. And I had a logo and everything. It was a, it was a bear dressed as a ghost holding a picnic basket with a scary font that said DJ Boo Bear. Wow. Spooky season. Spooky but, season. Perfect. And, and that that came <laughs> that came about because I you know I got to a point in my career where I was, I was opening for a number of people, um, and you know without using like their real name, they would come and these were people that you know I'm still fans of what they're doing, but you know you'd be stoked to meet them and be like, hey, what's up, man? I'm Pat, and they'd be like, yo, I'm DJ Razorblade, and you're like, yeah, well, what do I call you? Do I call you like Razor? Or does your mom have a special name for you? Or what's your grandma call you? And I just like, to me, it was, it was like so absurd and over the top. So I'm like, I'm going to make this really ridiculous name. But the backlash was no club would ever print it. They would just put DJ Pat Allen. Okay. So that's, that's where that comes from. They, they wouldn't well, print the Boo Bear on the, <laughs> on the no. title card? Or the logo. <laughs> the logo was flames. They didn't know. <laughs> What was what was your name? What was your DJ name? Uh, so I, I never. Oh, uh, so my my like my little business that I did in high school was Hey Mr. DJ. It was based off that Madonna song. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it had legs. Uh, but then in in college, I, I was just like nicknamed DJ Duds. That you know, nice. again, like not something that I gave myself, but just kind of a a nickname that that stuck with some friends. Um. But yeah, man, I can see the Boo Bear merch. Just that if you ever do a graphic tee, yeah, do a capsule. You got to do, yeah, you got to do a Boo Bear capsule. <laughs> That'd be great. Do the, the limited edition picnic basket. Yes, yes. That's, uh, I just, I feel like that's very, very nobody's on, doing that. on trend, that type of like kind of almost absurdist graphic or whatever. Yeah. But Pat, the re- I, I asked you, like, I mean, I, I, I ended up studying government at UT. And then have obviously like made this completely different, you know, 180 career wise. So I was just like, you know, curious, like you, if you didn't study fashion or textiles at school, like has that been a hurdle that you've had to overcome? Oh, so yeah. So to finish to answer your question, I was pre-med, started DJing all the time. And I just had to, after three or four years, I'm like, I'm never really going to become a doctor. These people are super dedicated and your GPA is teetering above two, right? So it, it's there's no med school unless I'm cheating on my MCAT. Yeah, there's no med school in the world that that would take me, and rightfully so. So I was just like, I, I went to my counselor and I'm like, look, I just need to get out of here. And so I became a comm major, and I ultimately uh, graduated in communications. So um, I don't have any formal fashion training. I'm a but in a major. lot of ways, oh sorry, go on. You're talking to another comm major right here in the building. Yes. <laughs> no wonder you guys are communicating so I know, well. right? <laughs> right? Excellent communicators. Encode, decode, yes. sender receiver model, Phil, you know. <laughs> Fuck. But uh, um, yeah, so is that, I mean, is that, does that make it tough or, or you've just like found the right people? I, I think. I, I think it, it's a it's a it's a blessing in a lot of ways. You know, I, I think not having been conditioned in a certain mindset of okay, this is how everything operates, and you you know double your price here, 
then you double your price here, you make your line sheets like that has been a blessing. And, you know, like I learned very informally, uh, my, you know, my first mentor and all this, she actually taught at Fitum. So, you know, I'd reach out to her. And when I first told her, I want to do this, her response was, don't do this. You don't want to do this. It's nothing like you think it's like, it's not sexy. And so I was like, I'll tell you what, I'll think about it. And then, you know, I was just completely unfazed. I was like, I don't really care, you know, what it's like. Um, but at that time, I really didn't know anything. So, you know, I learned very informally and she would give me textbooks that I would just read front to back and, you know, have a vague understanding of, of everything that happened. But I think it, it has, and originally I think it hindered us because I had no idea how anything worked. You know, like I, I knew basically the, 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 like I knew basically the process, but having never been through it or worked with anyone, like we were just like, Hey, we want to make this. And they're like, all right, cool. Where's the tech pack. And, you know, I'd go in the parking lot and call Aaron and be like, Hey, what's the tech pack, <laughs> yeah. you know, and how, how do I make one? And can you make one for me? And so she was a great sport and she did, but you know, there's been a lot of learning like that, you know, on your, on your feet. But I, I think all in all, it's a blessing. You know, we mentioned rag and bone earlier and they're another one with, without formal training, you okay. know, in fashion. And I think I, 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 there's been times where I'm like, you know, I think about early on less now, but I'm like, maybe I should go to fashion school. Maybe that is something I should do. But, you know, it's just been kind of like learning on the job. And I, I think it's caused a lot of delays initially, but. Yeah. We're, I we're mean, Ralph Lauren is another guy, no professional fashion training doesn't like, doesn't put together tech packs or do the sketches or like create his own patterns, mm -hmm. anything like that. He just is the head that that knows what he's after and and has figured out how to get it done so you know it's it's it certainly hasn't like stopped other people from doing it i'm just always curious because you know I, the, the, when i first went to work for for grand x i was basically just like flying by the seat of my pants as well just mm -hmm. kind of teaching myself what what this stuff was what a tech pack was and and you know and i i still there's still stuff that i don't know like you know, like I, I'm wearing this T-shirt. It fits awesome. I, I, I love it, but I don't know about the pitch of it. I don't know what moving like a shoulder seam, like forward half an inch, would do to the mm -hmm. the body of the garment. And it's like that stuff that I kind of, I still kind of wish that I knew a little bit. You know, so it's it's uh it's not prohibitive necessarily, but like you said, it just kind of when you're getting going, it can definitely create create a, a speed bump or two. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been fortunate to have, you know, great mentors who've taught me a lot, you know, in like every avenue that we do, you know, for us, all our, all our fabrics are custom. And that was a big hurdle early on, mainly because no one wanted to do it, especially for a small brand they'd never heard of. And, you know, we've been fortunate now to have a fabric partner who's, who's like excited and willing to innovate with us. And I will literally every day I just drop by his office and ask him a million questions, you know, there's still so much I'm learning and I want to know everything, you know, I want to know a very technical, technically detailed, I want to have a technically detailed idea of like, you know, if we, if we switch this on this circular knitter, what's it do? How does changing the yarn, yarn size, you know, all these things like, so I have a million questions and, you know, he's been very generous with his time and sharing that with me. And we're fortunate to have that in production or, you know, and fabric, our pattern maker, bless her heart. I just drill her with a million questions all the time. And, you know, that's been so helpful. Pat, sure how big is y'all's team? 
Uh, we have we have a small team. Um, most are freelance, so we have a lot of parts. Um, so it's about like five, six people, nice. I'd say roughly. Yeah. 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 I mean, gotta gotta run lean, right? You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pat, just to kind of bounce around here a little bit, you 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 mentioned the you've got heavyweight Terry product coming out, and just like you know, I I, I think about kind of what guys are looking for right now. And I, I feel like we're in a, a state with, with menswear where like the heaviness of an item is it, that that's like, that that's kind of become synonymous with quality right. to a lot of guys. And so like you'll, you'll, you'll pick up some of this, this kind of stuff that leans like more streetwear, like whether it's fear of God or, or something else or, or rude. And mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's almost cardboard esque because of its like roughness and its texture and its weight. Mm-hmm. And is that like, it, it, is that something that you've noticed kind of like trending and, and how do you, does that actually mean quality? Like what, like what are you looking for as far as those cottons and the weights and like, how, how do you determine like what's, what's their, what's their right decision there? Just as, yeah, I, you know, with, with, with that type of, with, with the way that that has, that, that, that is kind of trended. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think for a lot of men, um, you know, weight is sort of a shortcut to quality. We equate the heavier something is with the more quality. And, you know, there is some truth to that, depending on what they're using to make it heavy. You know, something like cotton, when we're talking about uh, fear of God, you know, in their 32 ounce sweatpants, that fabric's really expensive because each yard of fabric weighs 32 ounces. That's 32 ounces of cotton which is a commodity yeah. that they're, they're buying someone spinning that into yarn and then they're dyeing it and they dye by weight. So the way you get charged on dye is by the weight of the fabric. So they're spending a lot of money on that. And to answer your question, I think at times, yes, heaviness can be a shortcut to quality. Um, I think for a lot of men, that's like their only cue to quality, but it, there's varying factors too. Like what is it made out of? You know, if it's hundred yeah. percent cotton, a lot of times when you talk about that dry feel, that's open-ended yarn, which is like a lower quality yarn that's cheaper to produce and it's shorter strands or fibers. But people in streetwear love that. Right. You know, that's that's been the wave is like that heavy, dry hand. And it's cool. It doesn't really wash well, but it will last, you know, forever. And you can be, you know, beat the hell out of it. And it's sort of like what, what we find in, in thrift stores and stuff. Um you know, but, but the other thing is, is the content, you know, in, in some garments, if they're blending cotton, you know, with poly or another Petro uh, fabric, now it's much cheaper. So there's a, a lot that goes into that. And one way that brands make things cheaper is to use cheaper products and you can still knit it heavy, you know, a 50, 50 poly cotton hoodie that's knit really heavy is going to be much cheaper on the fabric than hundred percent cotton because, right. you know, there's less of that commodity. Yeah, but it, it's a balance too because you know what I mean those sweatpants, those fear of God sweatpants. We have some in reference here, um, but they're not. They're you know they're cool. They're definitely you pick them up and you're like wow. Um, but to me, they're not that wearable. So it's a lot about striking a balance between those two things. Like yes, we could make this heavier. We could make all of our tees heavier. But what's the perfect balance of weight? and comfort you know or, or like functionality is yeah. something mm-hmm. yeah 
Um, it, it, when when we when we mentioned these these kind of brands that uh, you know that are doing this type of stuff, and, and we talked about those specific designers already, I, I feel like a lot of what also goes into their prices is marketing. Yeah, just they're spending so much on on websites and lookbooks and photo shoots and product placement and like all of that. Like that 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 cost just has to be enormous a piece of the overhead to where you really have to like inflate that that retail price to 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 get some of that back. Um so is 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 that something that you think about for the future is like is is having to spend more on that on marketing budget essentially. Oh, it's a great question, you know, and that's something you don't really realize till you're sort of on the other side. Yeah. You know, I think we've all heard like the famous, it costs Nike $5 to make a pair of Jordans. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but certainly it, it, it's, you know, the popular lore. Right. Yeah. But there, there's more into it than like cost of goods. You know, essentially you're paying, you know, in this case, Jordan brand or Nike to make you want their shoes, right? You know, demand creation is a huge part of the cost to, you know, one of the, one of the principles of the brand is trying to keep it accessible so in that we try to cut out everything that's not necessary, yeah, but yeah. Mar- marketing is very necessary. So it's like, how do you balance this? Totally. And that's something that we're, you know, we're trying to figure out now, you know, because there's a lot of things people don't understand that cost a lot of money. Photo shoots in a studio with models, even for e-commerce pictures cost a lot of money, Yeah. you know, and a lot of people might not see the value in that you know, consciously, but subconsciously, there is a lot of value in that from like a marketing and demand perspective. So that, you know, that's something that we are trying to manage now. Like, how do we do all the things that we want to do with make a quality product and still keep it accessible as we continue to grow? I mean, it's, 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 it's a big piece of your brand. The fact that it is approachable and accessible to, to a really like, you know, wide group of people. And, and I, I think we all appreciate that. It's 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 very easy to like to kind of peruse your site and you know add to cart. So it's it's shocking to me how slick and and how far you've come just in just a short period of time. I mean, if y'all were to get on the website uh, uniformla.com, it's so easy to navigate. Um, all the fit picks are super detailed, very helpful, and then the lookbook is dope. Um, that to me, like, cause I'm, I'm in the process of doing a website for my real estate business and it's a real pain in the ass and the, it can get very costly, but at the end of the day, it's the, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out. And from a consumer standpoint, y'all's it's, it's very, very well done all the way across. There's not, it doesn't look like this is a brand that has just spawned. You know, it looks like this is something that's been around for a while and good job. <laughs> I, I, you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, we're very fortunate to have a great, you know, first off, like my right hand is, is, you know, my layout design guy, Chase, who, you know, I'm continually bouncing ideas off and he's bringing them to me. And then, you know, our, our website, we work with one of the best, you know, the guy who does our site makes sites for fear of God and a number of the brands that we mentioned, Amiri, you know, so working with him has been a blessing to have him, you know, on our side. Yeah. Sure. And all the, all the photos are great, dude. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I, 
I got to thinking about that weight because I was thinking about t-shirts, which is, is, is where this all started. And it's like one of the, one of the first kind of brands that I was into as far as tees was, uh, the Alexander Wang stuff. And it's like, that was a period where it was, where it was like the really silky and drapiness Mm -hmm. that everybody was after. And that's, that's really kind of like, like kind of been pushed to the side for this, this, this cotton experience essentially, which, you know, now I'm all about it as well. So I, you know, it's just, it's just interesting how the, how some of that stuff can, can change over the years. Well, dude, the vintage, the vintage crew neck that I'm wearing is right out of the dryer, popped it on. Don't, don't need to steam it, anything like that. It, it fits exactly how I want it to. Um, and I'm not just saying that, honestly, I'm, I'm a t-shirt head and this fits perfectly, dude. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it does, it's great. So, so Pat, aside from, from Phil and I sitting here looking amazing in the t-shirts, if you, if you could have one celebrity, you know, spotted walking out of Erewhon with a green juice and, you know, GQ tags it, this is the uniform, uh, vintage tee or the uniform artist tee, who, who is rocking your gear? I think, I think it, for me, I think it would be Michael B. Jordan. Okay. Nice. Um, you know, I love his his style. I don't know if the artist tees him per se, but I would love to see him in our stuff. And okay, I'll I'll, I'll DM him. Fan, I'll, yeah. tell, I'll tell him about bit. it. Yeah, yeah, let him know. <laughs> Yo, Phil, or, uh, Barrett, was that when you were talking about Alexander Wang? Were you talking about the tee by Alexander yeah, Wang? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, and it was like that was more of like the like it would have mo- the the modal blends and and that type of stuff, and it was all it was like. There were a few years in there where guys wanted to be like sexier. I feel like, <laughs> you know, with that big U neck, the U necks, and 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 that type of stuff. They were a little longer. Uh-huh. I'm sure, I'm, Pat. I'm sure, you know, living in L.A. and and having been a DJ, you've probably seen your fair share of the uh, like the long line kind of butt tees, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I think it's it's still it's still you know happening as as like. You know, it's like an adoption curve, like anything else. Yeah, I think, sure, sure. You know, the people who, who are you know into more niche kind of designers now have have left that. Yeah. You know, for other things, but I think it's still being adopted by a, a large range of people. Uh, are there any other brands that you specifically like reach for in your closet outside of your own? Um, I'm pretty. You know, these days I'm pretty homeless chic in my yeah. style. I'm, I'm like <laughs> running out. You know, I'm running out because people want to have meetings now, or they have a knit down they they want they want us to see. Um, what what about so uh, what about been, sorry? What about sneakers? What are your go to? What's the what are the the perfect sneakers for the uniform guy? I love personally. I love Jordan ones. You know, okay. I know it's it's so predictable. Um, and then I'm still a fan of the Ultra Boost ones. And you got a fellow uh, you know, UB fan right here. Yeah, I'm a big UB guy. Yeah, it's so so comfortable. Yes. Um, you know, and then then I have some Sakai Nikes. I, you know, it's sort of like the Nike flex runner on tail. It depends. It depends on what it is. <laughs> What'd you say? I said flex on them with your your Sakai <laughs> Nikes. Which which version do you have, Pat? I have uh I have all of the all Ooh. three of the I have so I have I I really like the night the white nylon ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I have those. I have the black mesh, the white mesh. Those are probably my favorite. And then I don't know if you guys can hear that. Oh, we did. We did. Yeah. That's up. perfect. Yeah. When La Cucaracha plays, it's fruit time. 
I think that little, means it's little LA flavor for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then I have the I have the Barney ones, which I've never wear worn, and I don't know why I have. All right. So I, I know uh, prior to the podcast, we talked a little bit about just like experience with um with the resale market, and we we kind of talked about it in a, in a different way as to like what it's become with you know it's ninety percent sneakers at this point. Uh, do you mess around with like, 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 are you a sneaker guy? Do you, do you mess with StockX or goat or anything like that? Like, or, or are you just, uh, you using some connections to get those Sakai's? What's your, what's your tactic? <laughs> I wish, you know, my, my, uh, one of my old roommates is like a design director at Nike. And every time I, every time I breach it with him, he just he seems to have no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> or how he can possibly get these. So, I I don't have any I don't have any ins. I'm taking my L's on the sneaker app like just, everyone just else. like everybody else. Luckily. That's yeah. You're a man of the people. <laughs> yeah, no keeps keeps me grounded. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I you know I try to stay I, I I I like sneaker culture and you know like being young. Um, I was into like the Jordans as they were like coming out. You know, yeah. it was a different experience then because it wasn't so hype and you could walk in. You know, when yeah. threes were the thing or or sixes or, you know, the Looney Tunes, whatever, you could walk in and get those at any footlocker at your mall. So it was a different experience, but like, you know, the, these sneakers still have like fond memories to me, you know, playing dodgeballs and your dodgeball and your, your Jordans. Um, but I'm not, I'm not super sneaker obsessed, but I certainly keep track of the space because I think so much of it drives streetwear. Yeah. Yeah, and Absolutely. You know, I read in uh, Bobby Hundred's book, This Is Not a T-Shirt, which is a great book. He talks about sort of like how that evolution came to be because, you know, back in the day, and I'm sure you and Phil remember the term metrosexual. Yeah, yeah. What, which was like a, had a negative connotation to it. Um, you know, like if you were a man who cared at all about how you looked, you were a metrosexual. Mm -hmm. Right, right, yeah. And it, it was almost like shameful. Um, you know, but sneakers were the were the first thing that men could care about on a fashion, uh, care about from a fashion perspective, where it's like, oh, okay, those are sneakers. Like, oh, he just has 300 pairs of Jordans. He's not a metrosexual. He's a sneakerhead. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, he talks about how that ties in and how that's become a cornerstone to the culture and ultimately led to like the streetwear brands, you know, like Stussy and the explosion of all of that. So I think it's it's very central to the culture and totally i'm not i i'm not like i i wouldn't pay resale for things unless i really love them but i definitely pay attention to that and, and and i'm a fan of what goes on there yeah yeah i mean you're you you've kind of summed it up perfectly and we as as a podcast that like dedicates a lot of time to kind of uh, guys that are interested in 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 becoming more stylish or like getting more into it like it's the the sneakers are always the gateway so it's it's kind of why we spend so much time talking about them pretty regularly and frequently and like paying attention to drops is because it kind of like it it makes it a game it makes it's it's like there's just so many aspects of it that are that are attractive and and draw people in and then like that's it's just where where a lot of people kind of start with it so it's like you said it's definitely a big piece of it um i i just was thinking about you know how, how we kind of like had a shared experience of, uh, of kind of picking up some stuff from by George here in Austin, like on liquidation. And, and one of the things I, for, I forgot to mention to you was that, uh, one of the things that 
that I was using Styleform through when I worked at By George, we were carrying Guidi boots. Do you are you familiar? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like these. If you're not familiar, the Guidi boots are like they're very art- artisanal, like all sorts of weird ass leathers, mm-hmm. like very strange looking boots. They look like they could be from the 17 or 1800s. And there is a community that is obsessed with them. Really? And we carried them because our owner thought they were rad, but like nobody bought Guidi boots in Austin. (laughs) And so we would inevitably have like these thousand dollar boots marked 75% off and I could flip them on, on style for them to these people that were obsessed for like, you know, close, much closer to retail. So it was just funny, funny to hear you talk about like, being able to occasionally kind of clean out by George of some of their, their, their good product that, that wasn't moving here in Austin. That's great, dude. <laughs> but, uh, I just always remember the Guidi boots. They're, they're Italian. Weren't they Guidi? Guidi. Yeah. Yeah. Weedy. Am I saying it wrong? I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, uh, they're, I, they're Italian. I, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with it. And, and they do look like they're from the Knights Templar. Yeah. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. A lot of them. And I just like pick one up and I'd be like, wait, this is made out of a horse. <laughs> it was oh they were all sorts of weird leather man Yikes. yeah 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 um pat just a few more questions for you here before we wrap it up thank you for being generous with your time today um it, were you djing right up until the pandemic was this like was it still a part of your you know your your hustle yeah it you know right up to the pandemic i was djing i you know i i tend to space everything that happened last month so Oh, you have to give me a minute to, to recollect. But I think I had three or four nights uh, where I was DJing and DJing was paying, you know, all my bills at that point. Um, but, you know, it was it was getting to the point where it was harder to DJ because something would happen or, you know, like Chase, our layout designer, would want to proof some things by me. And I'm, you know, at behind the, the turntables. <laughs> At, at the club or the bar <laughs> and they're expecting me to perform. And I'm, I have my phone up looking through like these layouts that I need to okay as soon as possible. So it, it became, it became more difficult, but I was DJing and, um, but I, w- I was also doing a little, little ch- more chill gigs, like yeah. some kind of sunset sessions and things like that. that were more, more vibey than a huge dance party. So, so has the, the pandemic pushed that part of, you know, has, have you been sunset into an early retirement there or will you go back to it? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it, it, it remains to be seen. I don't know if I think DJing might, might be, be dead kind of job, like a so, soda jerk where it just doesn't exist. <laughs> and we're telling, we're telling our children about it. That, that is um, wildly depressing if true, but uh, <laughs> I, I hate, I, you know, we've, I think we've all had those thoughts, so it will be pretty fascinating to see, see what happens there. I, I'd be I'd be willing to go back for sure. I, you know, I, I love DJing. It, it's it's difficult because you know, as a former DJ yourself, you have to stay up <laughs> on a lot of lot of stuff. Yes, and and the music world's changed fundamentally. You know, as one of my good DJ friends says, we're in the long tail era of music. You know, there's so much more music, and everyone's into their own stuff. Like everyone can exist in their own world because of Spotify or Apple Music. Sure. So, you know, if you like Rufus DeSoul and you've listened to every one of their albums and, you know, the live video they put out, you think every DJ should know about their entire content. And when they don't, you know, people have a tendency to, you know, overreact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Phil, you got any any more questions for Pat here? DJ Boo Bear? <laughs> <laughs> no questions. Just um, good job, man, on the product. I mean, I'm looking forward to a long relationship with Uniform LA. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, this is good stuff, dude. It's yeah, it's good stuff. It is. It is. I'm 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 ashamed of myself of myself for for not having pulled trigger earlier on some of the the teas, but. This is right up my alley. But Pat. now I'm here. Now I'm here, and I'm I'm here to stay. Uh, Pat, where can we where can we follow the brand on Instagram? I, I think that 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 we're actually going to be doing a little bit of giveaway on the gram as well. So, um, where 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 should the, the people go to 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 hear more about that? Yeah, our, on on socials we're Uniform LA on Instagram. There's an underscore, so it's Uniform LA underscore. And I'm working to get more involved at posting more more frequently uh, pat i mean you 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 are you're there you're you're running this brand this company and i know like i've got a job plus this podcast and and doing social media is a lot harder than it sounds it's very very difficult to stay dedicated to like consistently publishing content that's cohesive and makes sense and is not just a total cluster mm-hmm. so i i totally i hear you on that one it's it's um it's been a struggle for for this podcast as well to to keep it going, but we're definitely going to do something. Um, you and I will collaborate a little bit, but stay tuned. So you can follow the podcast at Club Cool Pod, follow Uniform on Instagram at Uniform LA underscore. Right? Yeah. Okay, and um, and we've got a lot to look forward to. Go check out the site. New teas coming soon at some point, and then a whole bunch more stuff. Phil and I have got to exp- have a little experience with. Uh, with some of the forthcoming product and it's, it's all rad, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of it. So, uh, Me too, man. All so, in. so stay tuned and, and go check out uniform. I, I appreciate you guys having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm looking for the day forward to the day where we can all sit down. In yes, the studio absolutely. Th- once again, thank you for joining us. Um, you, you know, I know we've, we've taken up your afternoon here, so I think it's time to, for all of us to probably crack a beer or yes. two. And uh, we're having a little Pinot Noir tonight. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. All right. Well, once again, Pat, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Pat. See you, man. Later, Phil. All right. That'll wrap it up for Club Cool today. Once again, thank you to Pat. Thank you to our sponsor, Lumen Skin. And we'll be back next week with more great content in another podcast for you. This was great. All righty. We'll see you. Bye-bye.